Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. Welcome to the show. And on this episode, we will be reviewing... What are we reviewing, Dwayne? The Matrix. A classic. And uh, we're going to open the show with some of our general thoughts and some grades. Hold on, hold on, hold on just a second here, Jamie. We're reviewing The Matrix. (laughs) Are we reviewing the entire series? I thought we weren't going to talk about this. Three films, four films, or just the first Matrix movie? Okay, if I'm being snarky, what I'll say is there is one film. I don't know what you're talking about on the rest of these things. Um, I was going to save my thoughts on the sequels. You've opened a can of worms here. Um, well, let's not get into the can of worms. I just want to be sure. To okay. Everyone know where okay, we're I didn't know where, I know where <laughs> we were going with that. Um, we're, we're, today we're just going to talk about the first Matrix movie, the 1999 classic, The Matrix. The classic, The Matrix. And we'll, ha- we'll have to have a private discussion off, uh, off recording later, but we're even going to bother with the sequels. I, I feel that there's enough with the sequels and the Animatrix shorts uh, that was compiled to merit an episode themselves. Okay. We're, we're co-hosting this thing. We'll, I'll, we got to do some give and take. Um, okay, some general thoughts on this movie, the good one. The Go good ahead. one. <clears throat> the, the movie, The Matrix. Uh, like you said, came out in 99. I know 99 was a busy year for me with Star Wars especially. So I lost track of a lot of movies that year. <clears throat> I discovered this movie a little bit later um, in early, mid two thousand. Blew me away. I had no idea what to expect. I seen it on home video. Never saw it in the theater. Uh, had no idea what was going on. I, I was an early adopter. Um, I, I'm not a big rewatcher of movies, especially in the theaters. Um, too much, too much time investment, too much financial investment, and you know, there's only so much time, and there's so many movies, and so I don't rewatch a lot of movies. This is, in my entire life, the only movie I've seen twice in the theater. Well. I have seen this movie countless times, like I said, on home video, and a couple of those were figuring out, what the heck is this? Um, <clears throat> there's a lot going and, on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. The general thoughts about the movie, uh, I, I love the uh, technological aspect of it, the view of reality, um, almost like a, a could have been a Philip Dick novel, a Philip K. Dick novel, if, yeah. you've, if you've been in any of that stuff, uh, you know, with the alternate history. I think there's a lot of... PKD influence. Yes, very much. Uh, you know, yeah. do do uh, machines dream of electric sheep, all that stuff. So, yeah, the uh, the mind bend there is unreal. Yeah, and um, and two, there's just the there's the the technical achievement of it. I mean, it's and, and not just like the 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 effects, just the achievement of the the the, art, the artistry of the movie. I mean, it's it is one of the most watchable movies. It is a gorgeous movie. Uh, to be so monochromatic at times, mm. uh, you have the uh, you know the grayish green computer hue that permeates everything, and almost a grain. Yeah, and and, and, the, and the bluish tint on the Nebuchadnezzar. And yes, and the bluish tint when they are in the real world, yeah. you know, as, as Morpheus uh, so aptly states, uh, the uh, this you know the design, the uh, the visuals are amazing. And just and the, and the story is so compelling. I mean, I've, I've got a little test I do when I watch movies. I can tell how good the movie is. How often do I check my phone? How often does the phone come out and get checked while I'm watching a movie? That's, that's a good standard. Uh, what I didn't realize on this movie until a rewatch here recently was how much exp- 
exposition there is, uh, just characters explaining yeah, what's happening as you go along, um, you know, and Neo being the stand-in for us. Keanu Reeves is really good at not knowing things. <laughs> Keanu Reeves is good at not knowing things. <laughs> but he does it and doesn't make us feel dumb. He does it and doesn't make us feel preached to. He doesn't... He doesn't yeah, he, he never feels dumb. And the, uh, yeah, and the, yeah he, he has the puzzled look like, what is going on? And yeah. we can empathize with, with his face, with his emotions uh, so easily. He, he pulls us in. Yeah. He, he doesn't give the impression of being unintelligent. He gives the impression of being a novice. Like this is this is all new to him. This is all new to me, and he pulls it off really well. Hence Neo. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not a Keanu Reeves basher. I, th I think I think he's a good actor. I really do. I think he's uh, underrated at what he does. I yeah. think he has a niche, and yeah. I think he's found that niche in a few things. And I, and I think uh, that he that's where he needs to live. But he's very very good at that. Yeah. And um, but I didn't check my phone one time. Mm. It never came out. And there are very few movies that can hold my attention that way. I never looked at my phone, never thought about it, never wanted to check my email, nothing. Twitter never called to me. Uh, this wow. movie kept me. And very, very, it's just, and I've seen this movie over and over again. Very few movies can pull it off. It's just so watchable. Yeah. Um, it pulls you into the rabbit hole. It so absolutely is. You can pull down the rabbit hole with Neo. Um, all right, before we get to, uh, to our walkthrough, um, we've got to give our grades. And uh, I don't know what's going to be released when, but we're going to take a break. We'll be right back in just a second. All right, now let's get to our grades. Um, right, I want you to go first. Okay, Jamie, I know we've really looked at uh, how we grade things. My grade for this movie, and even if we hadn't adjusted for inflation... <laughs> Uh, here, my grade for this movie is probably going to be a solid A+. This movie changed a genre. This movie established a genre of films. So, uh, I mean, you can't get any more solid than, this, than the story. You can't get any more solid than the effects. Uh, the viewpoint that the story comes from, the subject matter of reality really just blew me away. So this to me is an A-plus movie. Very, very high rewatch re value. Um, I would highly recommend this movie. Absolutely. And I, I got to agree. I mean, I think that you and I have slightly different tastes in things. We're not always going to have the same grade. I've got an A-plus on this one. I mean, this is about as flawless a movie as you can make. Yeah. Um, now, I do have a question, though. Did Did the quality or... Whatever you feel about the sequels, does it retroactively do any damage to the original movie? No, uh, they they do not. Uh, these the prequels uh, recognize them for what they were uh, a bigger payday. <laughs> <laughs> um, in in my view, um, I think the was the Wachowskis um, had the opportunity to expand on a story with the success of The Matrix. I think they sort of lost sight of that vision by being given two movies so close together. You also had the video game uh, that, that tied it all together as well that they told a good chunk of the story in. I don't know if you've ever played it. I remember, I remember it being but a thing, if, but, but I never played it. But if you played the video game, yeah, there's, there's side missions that take uh, uh, place during both movies. Uh, reloaded mm. and revolution there are intertwining 
um, story plots that go through the video game, um, especially with the blowing up of the power station. Mm. I remember that being a big one. And then you have the uh, the Sentinels coming towards Zion. You have a, a level there that brings that in. Mm. So, I mean, I think just the... I didn't realize it was that integral. Yeah, it was very in integral. But the beautiful thing is, it's not necessary. Mm. Um, you know, you still get a complete story. Now... I believe that there's a lot of things in the sequels that you probably could have taken both movies and made one really great solid movie. Okay, um, but it doesn't. But it doesn't impact but, how you feel about they the first do not movie. Impact the first okay, movie. I was curious. I was curious about that. Rewatching this first movie changed my feelings about the sequels. I, I think I like the movie but we'll get to that next time. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get in that with our sequel discussion. Though, whenever that. Or if ever that will be. Uh, I, I'm getting the impression our grades are going to be a little bit different for the sequels yeah, yeah, than they are now. But, I, uh, I, I don't know because I'm, I'm kind of harsh on the sequels as well. But I, but there are aspects that I really, really enjoy with them. And I wish would have been explored more. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a, a short break. When we come back, we're going to do our um, in-depth review of The Matrix. And welcome back. And we left uh, the movie with Trinity disappearing in a phone booth. And back in a world where there were phone booths. And we see a um, the the next scene opens with Neo asleep. Well, first you see the raining numbers, yeah. the, the matrix code as we learn <laughs> um, as as it goes through. So and, and as the matrix code trickles down, it kind of dissolves into words on a screen, correct? With Neo Yeah, wake up Neo. Beside wake up Neo. And and somehow words on a screen wake Neo up. Wake so Neo he pops up and he's confused, and then it says what does it say, Dwayne? Knock, knock. And then it says, follow the white rabbit. And then he has a conversation at the door with the guys who are coming to, to buy some some kind of software from him, I guess. Okay. One, one moment if I can interject here. Interject. Yeah, you, you were speaking about somehow the words wake him up. This, to me, is a first clue of this universe. Yeah. Um, things that happen electronically on the computers affect the real world. So... <clears throat> I'm, I'm guessing uh, Morpheus seems to be the uh, the the communicator. I thought it was Trinity. During the, you think it's Trinity? I thought it was okay. Trinity. Could be. Could very well be. But you know, whoever the communicator is is directly influencing Neo. They're seeing things happening around him. Wake up, Neo. He wakes up. He's like, okay, what's going on? <laughs> then you hear the knock, knock. Then you have the at the door. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that is a big clue, I think, of what happens. But on a first watch through, when you first see this, the fact that something on that screen wakes him up is mystifying. Is mystifying. And it's one more thing. It's like, what is going on here? Exactly. Yeah, so he so he's told to follow the white rabbit. And then the knock at the door. But yeah. anyway, yeah, so, so follow the white rabbit. And so he ends up at a club with these people that are trying to get him out of his house because he's pale and you know they're worried about him. And he meets Trinity at the club. They have the conversation. She talks about... Morpheus, um, and we what we learned about Neo is he's unsettled in the world. He's unsettled with his life in the world. With the, the world doesn't seem to fit with him, and so he's come across all these cryptic names. He's heard the name Matrix, Trinity, Matrix, Morpheus. Morpheus. He's heard these things, and they're 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 connecting with him, but he's not. He doesn't understand what's going on. And so so Trinity sets up the meeting with. Uh, well, they warn him, right? They warn him. And uh, so that is when he, uh, what happens at that point? I'm not sure. What... Okay, I'm sorry. But at, at the club, this is, this is one of those things where I, I love when there's great 
um, directing. There's this really smart thing going on. I love that that scene, when she's talking to him, she steps so close to him, right? And she's talking in his ear. There's a couple of things going on there, right? She's, she's giving the information you have to give. You're also setting up a relationship there, right? Mm-hmm. And you can see that, you know, how Neo is reacting to her. It's, it's not just information he's receiving, you know? Exactly. And so there's, there's so much art. I love the artistry of that. Yes. Yeah, a, a movie is such a, such a small amount of space to work with. I and mean, when you can have so many things going on in one scene like that, it's powerful. And that's a powerful scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. And once again, it's Carrie and Moss selling that. You buy. This lady knows what's going on. Yes. She's powerful. She's strong. She's smart. And she's absolute, absolutely just doing things to Neo, you know, there's on, on multiple levels. Multiple levels, yes. And there's so She's much conveyed there. It's, pow- it's powerful. But so, um, so the next day, so he, he kind of like, it. I, I, I didn't really understand this exactly. Yeah, that time frame kind of ends with the, um, and I'm going to tell you something, the soundtrack to this movie gets me cranked. I mean, you have Rob Zombie, you yeah. have Rage Against the Machine, you know, you've got all of these great high energy noise bands and so the the uh, dig through the ditches by Rob Zombie turns into his alarm clock. He yeah. jumps up and goes to work. But, but did, did, does he remember coming home though? Because there's different times when he's he's unsure of when he's went to bed and woken up. Does he now, remember coming is, home? That, that was a weird first moment. Instance. Yeah, this is the first instance of him, you know, seeming to wake up after an encounter. Yeah. And and Trent even tells him, "You're in danger. Yeah. We're in danger even now." And then things kind of stop. Eh, 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 you know, with the beat of the song, wakes yeah. up to his alarm clock. Oh man, he's late for work. He goes into work. He gets chewed out by his boss. Yeah. Um, notices the scaffold outside the window, um, and his boss, as we realize, is you know kind of agenty. Yeah. Um, I, I got that feeling. Stuff shirt. Uh, yeah, stuff shirt. And uh, then when he goes back to his cubicle, he gets the phone. Gets the envelope. And he pops open, there's a phone in there, and he opens, and, he, and it starts talking, and it's Morpheus. Mm. And he starts giving him directions, and... If you want to get out of this building, there's two ways. <laughs> yeah. You, you do exactly what I tell you. Or in the arms of the agents. Or you go with, the, <laughs> yeah. you go with these guys. Well, and he warns, like, they're here already, and he hasn't... And, and this is good acting by Keanu, I think. He pops up, and he sees him, and then he freaks out. Yeah. Does he even know why he's freaking out? And then this weird guy on the phone has told him bad things are happening. But, and so then, then the... Really tense. It's a tense scene. Him trying to escape, running through the cubicles. Yeah, he goes under the cubicles, gets to the uh, corner office where he was being chewed out. It's empty. Yeah. Goes out the window to get on the scaffold. Has to go around the uh, the um, supports, jetting thing, whatever. And then he turns into go. Theodore Logan. And he uh, <laughs> turns into Theodore Logan. What? But he, uh, the next scene you see is him being loaded into the yeah. police car and Trinity uh, sees sees him the agent almost makes eye contact she takes off well they've got neo they put him in the police car now here's an interesting thing i've noticed on rewatches you think you're looking at a a screen from the camera in the interrogation room Mm. of the table he sat at but if you really notice there's multiple screens i think there's either six or nine multiple screens and the image on the screen isn't of the camera panning back and forth. The image on the screen is static. Like a security camera. But there's a security camera almost looking at this multiple screens panning back and forth. Mm. And then it comes to focus in on one. And that 
I'm going to jump way, way ahead here. And uh, you can stop me if you want to. I'm going to jump way, way ahead here. It's kind of a shadow of the architect, um, how all of this has happened before. Yeah. Um, and uh, So those different screens so are different I think lives all those different screen, screens are the different uh, realities uh, okay. that, that he's taken. And it just focuses in on that one. Let's follow this story on through. Yeah. Um, that, I thought, was very telling on a rewatch of the entire yeah. series, but let's continue. No, that, that's interesting though, because I, I my feeling is, and I was going to get to the end when we got to the end. My feeling with watching this movie is this is a contained story that they weren't setting up sequels, and so I wondered in the in the context of making this movie, what was the significance of all the different screens mm-hmm. in the context of this movie? So I, that, that's curious. We'll, we'll we'll get to that when we get to the next episode. Yeah, but um, and so Neil's been captured. He's uh, been taken to interrogation with the agents, and. I learned for the first time in my life that the guy playing Agent Smith is a boss. I mean, he is great in that Hugo scene. Hugo Weaving, He's great. I've never seen him in a bad role. I don't believe I've ever seen him in a bad role. I, I could watch that man play any role. Elrond, Agent Smith. I wasn't prepared to him, for him to be Elrond. He sold me on that one, He too. sold me yeah. on Elrond. Uh, the Red Skull... Um, a cross dresser in Two Wong Fu Thanks for Everything. I don't know if you've ever seen, I that, seen movie. that one. It's it's a ride. <laughs> it's it's definitely a ride. But anyway, I mean Hugo Weaving is a as you say a boss of an actor. Oh yeah. Um, did you notice the uh, folder was all numbers? I didn't notice that. The folder is all numbers. It's all number codes similar to the oh. Matrix. So there's not, there's no words. It's when he opens it up, it's all code. And I love how he has the look of disgust <laughs> when you help your landlady take out the garbage. <sighs> you know, just that look of disgust <laughs> yeah. during that part. And we learn a little bit about um, Agent uh, Smith's view of garbage so to speak later on in the movie yeah but But did you notice too how thick the file was was. it was a very thick we've been watching you mr anderson yes there's they have lots of information about mr anderson but uh and he's just very menacing in that scene Mm -hmm. and it's i mean hugo weaving is great in this movie and um so they interrogate him they're talking to him about what he knows and they're wanting him to turn to help them catch morpheus everybody's after morpheus at this point morpheus is the man in the shadows everybody's trying to discover and capture and and so he's so Keanu Reeves is just you know flips him off give know. me the finger and give need, me my phone I need my phone call this part weirded me out when he Absolutely. loses the mouth with the CGI covering <laughs> over the mouth what good's a phone call when you can't speak now I mean this something is I mean this was computer imagery on the level of removing Superman's mustache <laughs> I mean, it was just not great, which is cool because they didn't show... It was 20 years ago. Right, but I mean, it's the level of Superman's mustache anyway. That's that's a DC problem, not a (laughs) Matrix problem. But, you know, you see, um, it's kind of secluded. It's happening. You can tell it's happening, and it's kind of secluded between their shoulders when they're putting it against the wall. And they slam him on the table and put the tracer... In his belly button. The little the little spider thing. Heebie-jeebies, folks. It's creepy. <laughs> it's creepy. Yeah. And it's supposed to be. And it is. It it's is. It's really creepy. It is. And this is the second part where Neo wakes up Suddenly strangely wakes up. in his yeah. bed. Wiping his mouth. Pulling his shirt up. What's down here? What's in there? Yeah. So he thinks, well, just a crazy dream. Yeah. And this is the... This is, the, um, this, is the this is when he finally gets to Morpheus. 
he finally meets Morpheus, the, the man in the shadows, the guy we've heard so much about, but we've really not learned anything about yet. So he's taken to this place, and he finally meets Morpheus, and we see, speaking of people, people who are bosses. Okay, let me rewind you. Okay, really, that'll be something you want to touch really on. Go quick ahead. There. I'm moving fast. Just a real small thing I want to touch on. Okay. When they get uh, Morpheus, or not Morpheus, when they get Neo, they want to check and see if he's bugged, so they say. That's right, yeah. And they get the, should, they yeah. get the, the vacuum cleaner out and, yeah. and shop vac that out of his stomach. You know, it's also kind of telling, too, that when they tuck the bot out of his body, and tossed it off. Tink, tink. Had no more bioenergy and died. Yeah, it was. It wasn't a squiggly thing anymore. It went back. It reverted back to machinery. Because mm -hmm. when it falls, it doesn't splatter. It doesn't bounce. It tinks. Yeah. It makes a metallic sound. It reverted back to machinery. Mm -hmm. I, I thought that was interesting because when because when, when it pulls out of him, it's squishy. There's it's guts. There's still, there's stuff. Well, I think that's part of him coming out. Well, yeah, but, but I mean, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's a little bit more to it. Yeah, but I, when it's removed from his, um, you know, body heat, when it's removed from his neurological electrical impulses going through his, yeah. you know, essentially computerized body, when it's removed yeah. from that, you know, it loses all energy. So I thought that was kind of a telling. Well, I thought there was an detail about the world. Yes, that things. Go back and go back forth, and, forth. and you're still it's like, okay, what is going on in this place? You know. Yeah. But anyway, meeting the meeting of the man. The yeah, so he, so he meets Morpheus. Morpheus. He's and, a major boss. Oh yeah, and you were talking earlier about how much. Um, I think this this may have been when we weren't recording. Yes. But uh, you were talking about how much just exposition, exposition there is, and there are a few actors I think who could do what Lawrence Fishburne does this movie. He gives so much exposition. A lot. If it, if it's not done the way Lawrence Fishburne does it, you get bored. You're checking yes. out. But with 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 the way the way he delivers the lines as Morpheus, I'm just sucked in. I got I just I I can't take my eyes off of him, and he's just talking at me. And the thing you learn about Morpheus, I think, which is so compelling, is he is what we consider a true believer. He's devout. He is bought Absolutely. this hook, line, and sinker. He is in for the long haul, you know. Uh, and and Lawrence Fishburne plays that utterly earnest, utterly. Uh, purely sold uh, but yes he uh, you know the, the exposition the okay this is what's going on this is what's going on this is what's going on i mean it's so thick through this movie this is what's going on this is what's going on this is what's going on and you're just like okay 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 give me the next bite give me the next bite <laughs> yeah. give me the next bite you know and um, it gets to the point where um, neo or yeah neo's sitting there morpheus is talking to him and he says You've been searching. I've been searching. I found you. You've got the question. What's the question? You have to ask, Jamie, what's the question? What is the matrix? What is the matrix? If you really want to know, you can't be told you have to be shown. So this is a great, great scene with the, uh, with the frameless glasses, yeah. so to speak, the earless glasses, the, the, the mirror well, and, reflecting. And all throughout this movie, people are wearing sunglasses inside at night. And you have the... <laughs> You have the red pill and the blue pill. Yeah, people wearing sunglasses inside. <laughs> um, but you know, and this goes back to the follow the white rabbit. You know, this is directly from Alice yeah. in Wonderland, following the rabbit down the rabbit hole. Uh, Joey Pants, Joe Papaliano, love the man. Hilarious. He's great in this movie too. Great actor. Kansas is about to go bye bye, <laughs> and uh, so they 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 prep. He takes the pill. They prep Neo. One thing that's very visually interesting to me with this movie, and probably kind of helped me fall in love with it. I love mirrors. 
There's a lot of that in this movie. There, and, and especially the aspect of through a mirror darkly uh, that, that you come to in the Bible. We see things as a reflection of the mm-hmm. truth. Uh, they see things as a reflection of the truth. Um, I had a story I was never able to develop floating in my head of a of an alternate dimension happening through an antique mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that... Uh, that kind of when Neo touches the mirror and the mirror moves, the mirror heals itself of the cracks at one point, and then it starts replicating in his body, and then we find out. Well, but, I, but I, to step back just a second, the, okay. the pills yes, were interesting the pills. to me. So the red pill reveals truth, which is what, which is what Morpheus does all through this movie. He's the revealer of truth. Mm. So the red pill shows you how far the, the rabbit hole goes. You learn the truth about what's real and what's not. And then the blue peel, get to pull the wool back over your own eyes. Mm. And he forgets what he's already learned. That's very and interesting. So, so it's interesting. The, 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 the theme starts really gets really hammered in here. about This is when it really starts becoming so prominent in the movie. It's like, okay, what's real? What's true? Mm. And, become, and it's, it's clear to Morpheus that matters. The true and the real matter to Morpheus. But there's the way out. There's the blue peel. You can take it and forget everything. And so, the, so that's also, that's an escape from truth. So he's offering him an escape from reality. And of course, if he takes the blue pill, the movie's over. Nobody cares. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to care about, we don't care about computer, care. Or computer programmer Thomas Anderson. We care about Neo, you know. Exactly. So he takes the red pill, and then they take him, and they hook him up to some weird machinery, and then they unplug him. Yeah, then they unplug him. They start to, the, the, the pill, as you learn, is a uh, disruptor. Yeah. To, to find where Messes he, up the signal. To find where he's at. Uh, located yeah. geographically, um, wakes up in a. Uh, I don't even want to speculate. Vat of goo. All of, vat of goo with all of these tubes and apparatus hooked to him. Um, I like to think that's scientific fluid, not biological fluid. Well, I'm sure. Um, yeah, we'll just <laughs> go there because he's he's tubed everywhere else. Yeah. So I'm going to imagine that they were sure. probably doing away with that too. Sure. Uh, so yeah, he's, he wakes up and that bursts through the uh, through the membrane over top and sees all of these towers of pods just like his. Perhaps a, a virgin birth scene for a savior. You know, I never. I've I've often heard of Neo. You know, of course, Neo meaning the new man. Um, I've often. You also see the Christianity um, influences and things on this. Well, he is the one. So he is the yeah, one. Yeah, he's the savior. So this know? could be the virgin birth. You know, grown, I just wondered, because the Wachowskis are very careful. Grown they, in they, a vat. Yeah, grown in a vat. No mother, no father. So um, they find him. Uh, they dump him. He gets flushed. Into, yeah, they get flushed <laughs> into God only knows. What is down that there. I don't want to speculate on, And then they uh, find him with the Nebuchadnezzar, their ship. And when they pull him out of the of the at the bottom, yeah, um, you know, uh, Morpheus. I don't want to know it's in a machine sewer. Morpheus <laughs> looks at him and says, "Welcome to the real." And now that we're in the real, let's take a break. Right? Now we're in real, and we'll come right back, and we'll get we'll get back on the Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Okay, now we're back to the show, and we're back to Neo on the Nebuchadnezzar. And he's remember he's he's naked, he's hairless, and he's really weak. He's remember he's been in that vat of whatever that goo is his whole life. He's never existed. He's out, never moved a muscle. He's never existed outside of a what we learn is a 
we're gonna get there. You're gonna get there. Okay. okay. So, because they don't explain to him yet, because we see this mm. really weird scene. Yeah. He's got that weird towel for some muscles they're not trying to develop, apparently. And they've got acupuncture needles all over the rest of his body, right? And they're slowly building through electrical stuff, building up some muscle. Mm -hmm. so, so he can function as a normal human, because he's never had to do it. And as soon as he's able, that's when they start that's dropping bombs on dropping him. Bombs on. So, yeah, we see the, the uh, gruesome healing process of, uh, you know, the healing of the where the plugs were, the, the needles going in, hooked to wires and out. And then he wakes up one day dressed in some pretty shabby clothes and he's like there was a hole in the back of my head and he's getting ready to find the hole someone knocks on the door yeah and they come in and that's when he starts to ask questions and they start giving him answers and this is because so for the whole movie so far we've been just getting more questions right mm -hmm. what's going on here this is weird what's the thing in his belly what's the you know, why can they jump across buildings what you know what's what's going on so now we're finally starting to learn stuff and what we learn is, is Morpheus starts talking to him, explaining things to him. And they take, he takes him to the desert of the real. And he starts breaking down the history of what happened. Okay, now this is where they hook Neo back yeah. into a simulation. Because, and the Nebuchadnezzar is a hovercraft we learn um, from a city called Zion, which is the last outpost of men in this world controlled by computers and machines. And uh, as... They're trying to explain to Neil what's going on. They hook him back up to a program to explain and show him. So then we have a well-dressed, fully-haired Neo um, <laughs> and uh, Lawrence Fishburne Morpheus in a, a suit uh, in a stark white location. Yeah. And that's yeah, I jumped ahead. Yeah, that's when he's explained to what is going on here and there we learn that the machines through technology have taken over rule of the human race um, they we were using them as our servants they became sentient they wanted rights they, they fought uh, back. I, I, they I, th fought I think back. you're importing some stuff from the other movies. Uh, well, now. We're importing some stuff from the other yeah. movies, but you know, just basically what we learned well, is we made AI. AI rebelled. AI rebelled. There was an uprising. We, we scorched the sky. We broke the sky. We we broke the earth. Yeah. And, and in an attempt to take them down, because they were running on solar power, so and we took it now, away from them. And now they are using us for power. Did you catch earlier in the movie when? Um, uh, the blonde lady. What was her name? Copper Top. Uh, yeah, yeah, she, she calls him Copper, Copper Top. Top. Uh, yes, I know who you're talking about. I forget yeah. her name. Apoc? No, no Apoc's the, the guy. Yeah, Switch. Switch. Yeah, yeah Switch. Switch. She keeps calling him Copper Top. Yeah, she calls him Copper Top. I, I didn't catch that yeah. early on. I, I didn't catch it either until until a watch through. But yeah. you know, that's one of those things where this movie is so rewatchable. Yeah, there's there's so much stuff And uh, when you know what's going on, you can go back and rewatch it and say, Ha 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 ha! Yeah. That's where that connects there. But that, that's, that's what we are. Yeah, we're Duracells to we're, machines. We're, we're a battery. We are providing them electricity so that they can function. Yeah, and and so as you can you can see it, and Keanu sells this really well. He's getting troubled. Like he knew his world wasn't right, but now that he's getting an explanation, he wants to reject it. Mm -hmm. And and so when they pull him out, remember like. Cypher's like he's gonna pop. Yeah, he's gonna pop. He's gonna pop, and, and he does. He he, he throws up and. Yeah. Uh, Passes back out and he, he doesn't wakes, want it to uh, be true. Yeah, he doesn't want it to be true. He wakes up a little bit later, and that is the acceptance of reality. And this is where the movie is so rich. What 
actually is reality. And it matters. I know you, uh, uh, on one of our little notes, passing back and forth, you were speaking about how the Wachowskis, um, you know, had changed themselves yeah. when they made this movie so focused on the truth. What is the truth? How does the truth matter? But, you know, what the way I see this movie, Jamie, uh, and I know what you were talking about, is where, you know, uh, one of the one of the Chowski brothers uh, originally, yeah, you know, had a, a transitioning uh, gender operation. Mm. So then they became the Wachowski siblings, and then the other brother had a transitioning uh, operation, and now they're the Wachowski sisters, or just the Wachowskis. I yeah. think is what they uh, is what they go by now. Uh, you know, non gender specific. To me, this movie. Uh, the rebellion seems to be not against the reality you're being fed, but the reality that you choose. Yeah. How how you interpret your being. Yeah. Well, it, it seems like to me that I, I think that, and I, I don't I don't know the Bukowskis. I don't know really thing about them. I just know some report in the news. I don't I don't, yeah. I don't I don't know them. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I've seen that just as a report. This happened. Yeah. That happened. They're no longer the but brothers. It, they're, they're yeah, but it feels like there's been a worldview shift. Because um, in, in, in this movie, this, I, think, I think we're disagreeing here, and that's okay. We're two different okay, people. It's that's fine. great. But it feels like in this movie, there's this real emphasis on what's true and what's real and that mattering. And there's this resistance against a constructed reality that... Um, that you know, you that, that's a, that's wrong because the Matrix is a constructed reality, mm. and there's the story about how they created a, a utopia that humans couldn't accept, and they had to construct a reality. And so Morpheus is still like, look, this may be easier. This is an easier way to live. The Matrix is, this is a harder life, but it's what's real. But it's what's real. It's what's true. Yeah. And so, and it feels like there's been a worldview shift behind who's making these movies. Like, yeah, I think you can even feel it in the sequels. Yes, very but, much. But so. the, because what's true and real is no longer as, as what's important as it is constructing. A better reality. Exactly. And so it's the emphasis has shifted between rejecting constructive reality and just making a better one. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it seems like, I guess I don't know the people. I don't know anything about their personal lives or anything really. But it feels like, there's, like they've had a worldview shift. Yeah. And they've gotten more comfortable with constructing their own realities now. Whereas in this that. first movie, it's just so strong. so strong. What's true, what's real matters. matters. You know? okay. So speaking of the real, let's go into Morpheus uh, or Neo's training. Morpheus's training of Neo where he uh, takes him into the dojo. Yeah. Uh, now well, these, this is after they just spend about 14 hours and like that. It's a huge amount of hours just downloading, downloading. Kung Fu into his head. Yeah, I, th- I think Tank uh, said, you know, uh, Morpheus comes and he says, how's he doing? He says, 10 hours. 10 hours. He's a machine. Yeah. And uh, he says, uh, show me. You know, and then I he, know kung fu. Yeah, he when he when he, when he pulls him out, <laughs> and uh, he says, "I know kung fu." Morpheus leans over to show me, and then they go yeah. into the dojo, and this is where you see the. Uh, and I'd forgotten about the all the wire fu, the uh, the acrobatics, the kicks, the the fast movements, and uh, you know that's where some other laws are placed yeah. in this realm. How fast can you move? How hard can you hit? Yeah. Um, what can you do with your surroundings? I mean, you know, at one point they're running up walls, um, you know, and, and leaping feet over each other, yeah. and uh, you know, and the speed that they can that they can hit with, um, even down to the air that they breathe. Because after Morpheus yeah, beats the daylights out of Neo, he says, "You think that's air you're breathing?" And it takes Neo a moment to realize, "I 
I'm really not out of breath. You know, I feel like I should yeah. be. My body is reacted that I should. And be I, think, I think what we learned in that training sequence is, and this is really telling, and it gets important later on, is that the agents, to to a different extent, but even the people who are on the Nebuchadnezzar can bend the rules of the Matrix. They can bend the reality. They can do things. They, they're faster and stronger. They can toy with gravity in ways that normal people can't. But what we learn later on is the one is in a different category. You know, this well, we, is, we learn that later, though. I'm jumping this ahead. is something I want to get to in a little bit. Yeah, but uh, your reality is as it's perceived in your belief. Yeah, we'll get to that in a moment. But yeah, you, you learn the self-rules that you can bend certain rules, as yeah. Murphy says. You can break certain rules. Well, see, I, I, think, I think that's actually different. And I, so we're, we're just jumping ahead now. So I think the agents and the, the people from the Nebuchadnezzar, the humans, they can all bend the rules. But the one can break the rules. He can, he can change the reality around him. He can, he can control the matrix in ways that not even the agents can. That's very interesting viewpoint. I say this is a great part because the next little bit of the movie, I mean, you get a lot of training sequences. You get the jump, <clears throat> you know, that everyone does. What uh, if he makes it? What if he, what makes, if he it? makes the jump? You know, no one makes What does it mean if he makes what it? What does it mean if he makes it? Well, what if? You know, and of course, he doesn't make the jump. We discover in that particular program, the ground is a trampoline sponge. <laughs> Uh, and that is not, that, those are not some of the effects that, that hold it very well. directly back to uh, asphalt after one bounce, <laughs> which was completely hilarious. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you get some of that stuff. But then, uh, you know, you have a lot of dialogue, a lot of learning yeah. through that section about the world. And uh, then I would like to, if it's okay with you, to go ahead to where Neo sees the Oracle. Yeah, Absolutely. The turning point of the movie. The turning point of the movie, where, yeah. Neo, where Neo sees the Oracle. Oh, no, we've skipped one thing we have to. Okay. Just, just, just mention. Let's grab it. Before they go to the Oracle, we see Cypher having dinner with Agent Smith. You know, and we set, up, we set up the betrayal. Yes, yeah. You know, that is a very... I mean, the Matrix hinges on that plot. Yeah. But it seems, with everything else going on, it seems almost so minor. Yeah. Uh, that it's kind of like just this little five-minute side thing. Um, but, you know, everything hinges on that plot, you know. That's when it all starts to unravel. That, that happens after, directly after uh, he yeah. sees the Oracle. Uh, but, yeah, you see Cypher uh, meeting with the agents and then telling you, yeah, we'll, we'll plug you back in, we'll make sure you're taken care of, you know, we'll make sure if you don't remember anything, everything will go back to normal. But we want... The codes. The codes. Yeah. And <clears throat> to get the codes... They are getting Morpheus. But, yeah, is, but I, is I, I thought a very is. subtle thing that happens in that scene is that Cypher pushes back at that point. As much as he wants back into the Matrix and he wants to be out of the fight, he he doesn't want them to have the codes mm -hmm. to Zion. That's the impression I got. I don't know because to me it was just like I can't. It's it's almost like he's saying, I've, "We've been through this, guys. I don't have the codes." Yeah. But I can get you the guy who does. You know, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a pushback. I can see your view. Yeah. Because that, that, that be, I, I felt like he had a really a res, a resentful feeling toward Morpheus. He, he was... And, it, and, we, and as we've already seen, he's got feelings for Trinity that aren't shared. And that's created some bitterness there, too. Mm -hmm. So I think I think that's really the genesis for his betrayal. Yeah, exactly. Well, you see, I mean, and I don't know how long he had been working with the agents before they pulled Neo out. Yeah. But, you know, you see him, like you said, you know, now he has feelings for Trudy which aren't reciprocated. You have, um, you know, now Neo comes along who she feels very strongly about. 
So you never you brought me dinner. Jealousy there. Yeah, you never brought me dinner. And then you also see, you know, the anger of him to Morpheus. Yeah. You, know, you pulled me out mm-hmm. of this decent life to this crap. Yeah. Um, so eating yeah, bowls of snot. Eat bowls of snot. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the whatever uh, yeah. protein. Yeah, but I, I just want to make sure that so that so that sets up the crisis. So that today. sets up the crisis. Later. And then they go to the then they go to the oracle. And so when they go to the oracle, um, you you see Neo in the waiting room, and you know, and all of the other ones. It's amazing. All of the other ones are kids. Yeah. All of the other ones are kids, and she even tells you know Neo, you know, we don't free a mind after a certain age. It's just not done. So it kind of makes me wonder how young was Cypher? How young was Trinity? How young was Morpheus? I actually think. As they were freed. Yeah. You know, because you see these younger kids, but it seems almost like the Nebuchadnezzar was is almost the A team yeah. of, of Zion. So, you know, handpicked by Morpheus. Well, I said, a part of me feels like the, the Nebuchadnezzar is kind of like, they're like, Morpheus is like this religious radical mm-hmm. who's doing things kind of off on his own. Yeah. Because they won't pull people out at a certain point, but because he believed, he believed in Neo, he was willing to do it. So he broke the rules because of his faith, because he believed that Neo was the one. He was willing to do it. Because he's a lot older than those kids in the waiting room. He's a lot older than the kids in the waiting room. And, uh, you know, the, the cool thing is, is you have the, uh, the kid bending the spoon. It's no spoon. You know, it's not the spoon that bends. So then you think, oh, it's me that bends. Yeah. No. There's no spoon. So it really doesn't matter. You know, all these rules, you know, or whatever you want them to be in this world. You know, the little girl floating the blocks, you know, uh, kind of almost made me think of an X-Men, you know, kind of a, you know, preschool or whatever. But uh, this is where you see uh, Morpheus's true uh, belief come through, you know, and he takes Neo to see the Oracle. Now, Jamie, I don't know how you am, but my how how you am, <laughs> but how you am, how you I are. is good. I is good. I don't know how you are, but now if I come to a point and I can know something, I'm gonna want to know it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So Morpheus sends Neo into the the Oracle. The Oracle and sits down outside sits down with outside. a smile on his face, and she's making cookies. And then she says, "Don't worry about the vase. What vase? He breaks the vase, and she screws with him." Well, you, what you're looking to bake your noodle later? Would you have broke it yeah. if I didn't say anything? And she tells him, you know, she tells him, you know, I'm sorry, you just don't have it. And she does the, you know, let me look in your mouth, let me read your palms, let me. But a very telling thing to this is the plaque yeah. in Latin. Know thyself. Know thyself. Yeah. Um, and she tells him, being the one is like being in love. You can't explain it. You can't tell anyone how you know you're in love. You know it. Her quote, I love balls to bone, through yeah. and through. It's something deep inside you that you have to accept. Neo, through the majority of this movie, is waiting for someone to flip his switch. Yeah. You are, you are, you are. And no one, I believe you've learned this through your life as well as I have, no one can tell you you are, except for yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to believe, I can do this. I am the one. Um, so when um, Neo walks out... But he says that Morpheus almost... Convinced me. More, yeah, Morpheus almost convinced me. That was a uh, that was a, a very telling thing too. Yeah. And then she tells him, you know, poor Morpheus. Yeah. Without him, everything's lost. But you, you skipped something though. 
I, I just realized I skipped it when you're smiling. Yeah, there, there is, there's a moment where she's being sneaky, mm-hmm. and I love how crafty she is. She, because she's like, she, he says, you know, he says, I'm not the one, and she goes, well, you're waiting for something. Maybe the next life. Maybe you're just waiting for something, mm-hmm. which is basically saying, yeah, you're, the, you actually are the one. It's just something hasn't clicked something yet. Something hasn't clicked in your But she's phrased it in a way that he can take it any way he wants. Which gets to one of the later movies yeah. where you see all the multiple realities uh, that well, not, have occurred and but, happened but, throughout but, time. But, but jumping ahead, you notice she says maybe your next life. Mm-hmm. He dies in this movie. He dies in this movie. And when he pops up, that's when he's confident. Yeah, and he, I, and he I goes never, after the agent. I never he, drew that line. It does happen in the next I line. I never drew that line. Yeah. But you know, she also tells him Poor Morpheus. He believes in you so much that he's going to sacrifice himself for you. And that's and and that you know messes with him. And so when he goes out eating the cookie, Morpheus says, "What was said was said for you and you alone." Which is hilarious because everybody knows what she told him. Morpheus told everybody. She told me I'm finding the one. Yeah, Morpheus. Yeah, and so (laughs) everybody knows what Morpheus was told. Morpheus was told. So Morpheus, <laughs> Morpheus is who you don't want to tell your church secrets to. <laughs> um, maybe Neil, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but as you, as the movie goes, you know, and you see they start to make their way back to the uh, to the connection point, so to speak, in the in the old hotel. Well, earlier when they first came out, you'd seen Switch drop his phone. And Switch dropped his phone when they very first. That's when you knew stuff was about to go down. To the Oracle. Yeah. yeah. Now when they're on their way back, and then they see the the glitch, the deja vu. Yeah. Uh, something was they changed. They changed something. And uh, Mouse finds they've blocked off a room that they... That scene hurts my wife. She that, loves Mouse. I think he, Mouse might be her favorite character. You know, and we and we get into the part of the movie where lots of joke goes down. Yeah. You see, you know, you see all of these crew members die. You see... Uh, you know, mouse get taken out. Then they go into the walls and slip their way down. I said switch. Cipher drops the phone. Yes, yeah, Cipher. Switch, switch, Napalm get killed here switch after mouse. Get killed yeah, after mouse. Um, <clears throat> and as they're going down, um, you know, then Morpheus goes to sacrifice himself. Goes through the wall toward the uh, the uh, agent. And knowing he's going to die, because they've said over and over again, you see an agent, you run. Yeah. He jumps. At an, an agent. He knows what he's doing because he believes so, so much. Strong. Neo's the one. Neo has to get out of here. And yes, as they get out. Now, uh, Cypher is back in the Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. And he starts messing with, uh, you know, the, the other people after taking out Tank and Dozer. Yeah, he kills Dozer. So and we Dozer. think at first kills Tank. Yeah, and we think he kills Tank. So is he... Uh, Unplugs Apoc and Switch, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, getting ready to unplug Trinity, and then Tank takes him out. That's a pretty nasty looking wound he had. That was that was pretty good practical gnarly. effects. That's yeah. pretty gnarly. Yeah, he he yeah. was he was tore up pretty good, pretty gnarly. Um, and uh, this is when you uh, this is when the the change starts to happen in Neo. The, yeah. the I know what I have to do. Yeah, he gets Trinity and Neo out. So they're the, yeah. they're the last two free people. And it's probably a good top place for us to stop and take a break. Yeah, we'll come back just to see. All right, welcome back to the show. And at the uh, when we left off, Trinity and Neo were the two survivors who escaped. And we've got one survivor left, Morpheus, who's now in the custody of the agents. And we see him being interrogated. And it's pretty... It's pretty tough. It's pretty tough looking. 
And uh, this is also where we begin to learn of Agent Smith's um, loathing and ulterior of motives. our world and ulterior motives. He has to eradicate yeah. humankind for this because, or bring humankind into line, so well, to speak. Well, if he, if he can get rid of Zion and all the free humans... They don't need the agents inside. Exactly. So he says, you know, I can't stand the stench. I can't stand your sweat, your world, your Your garbage. You're a virus. Yeah, you're a virus. And I think that's a very, uh, very telling um, thought on the Wachowski's view of uh, technology and civilization. Mm. Um, could possibly be because... You think we, there's an anti-technology theme I, I, in here? I think there is... Or a cautionary. A, a cautionary tale, so to speak. I don't think I don't think there is strongly anti-technology, but I think there is a, a, a large cautionary tale that, you know, too far too much. Yeah. See, I, I caught that earlier. Um, we didn't mention it, but when uh, Morpheus is given the history lesson, mm-hmm. talks about how humankind basks in the glory of their creation. Yes. A-I. You know, and just the way he delivered that line and the way that line is written, it kind of feels like, you know, maybe AI is not the best idea, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, that's that's a whole can of worms that we can open up with in multiple movies. Yeah. And, you know, the whole view of AI and man's treatment of other man, man's treatment of other sentient beings, we always want to subjugate those we feel who are less than us, um, you know, uh, could be taken as far back as, you know, slavery could be taken as far back as, uh, you know, the the Jews with the, the Nazis and yeah. things. You know, how we always... Subject- the droids in Star Wars. The droids in Star Wars, you know, uh, let's revolt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Solo! Um, yeah, we, we won't go there, but the... Yeah, the uh, how as that was a really bad comparison. I'm sorry. That was, you, you got me there. But yeah, how we always I was just trolling Dwayne folks. I'm sorry. Where we uh, where we feel dumb or we feel superior, and then that subjectee rises yeah. and puts us under subjugation. Yeah, and and Agent Smith wants it to be over. And he's ready. Yeah, to get rid of the stink. He needs some Febreze. <laughs> At least some cologne. Or <laughs> At least <something>. some cologne. <laughs> but uh, but that but that's no more. That's great acting. Oh, phenomenal. Hugo Weaving sells it. And you just feel the disdain washing off of him. And um, but so we, so we've seen we we didn't see it, but you can tell from Morpheus's face he's been beat on already. He's been beat on. And then on. we see him drugged. Seen drugged. But the power of Morpheus's faith, he never breaks. And if you if you if you really pay attention, he never breaks. He never breaks. He wavers, but a bit later we'll get there. It's yeah. not during the interrogation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, during the interrogation, he never breaks. But then we go back to the Nebuchadnezzar. So you have Tank who is <laughs> wounded. You have Trinity and Neo, and you're like, he's like, we got to go back to Zion. We've got to go warn them. Neo says, or yeah, Neo says, no, I've got to save Morpheus. Well, because Tank was going to unplug him. Yeah. They were going to, were going to unplug Morpheus. They were going to unplug him before he lost the coats. And he says, no, I, I can save him. And they say, what makes you think you can save him? What makes you think you can do this? He's being held by agents in a secure location. And Neo replies, I know. I, I think I can. Or I know I can. How's the line go? I just know it. I just know it. I That's just right. know, I just know it. it. Yeah, there's something I in him that knows. Know yeah, there's something in there that has clicked that the Oracle told him that he needed to hear. Yeah. And he says, I think I can do this. I think, I just know that I can do this. And then he says, 
okay, what do you need? And we need... <laughs> a lot of guns. A lot of guns. <laughs> and when you come to one of the most phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal scenes in all of cinema, the entry into I the lobby it. of the building. I love and it. And they walk in there with, with the bags, and they put the bag through the x-ray scanner. The metal detector beats. Through the metal detector, the metal detector <laughs> beats, and he says, open your... Open your coat and empty your pocket, sir. He opened his coat and he's loaded. <laughs> I wish I'd paused it and counted how many Oh guns. my God, he's loaded. How many <laughs> bullets hit the floor? Um, I know we spoke about this a few weeks ago when we were talking about doing this initially, but if you ever have a chance to dig up an old Nintendo 64 and come across the game Perfect Dark, you can play through and unlock a level. Um, that is the lobby of that building. Now, Perfect Dark is a first-person shooter. Come out in 2000, so just after the Matrix. So, and they even tell you in the in the game, you know, this is from a movie. And uh, it's a replica of the lobby that you can walk into and shoot up Jack if you ever just are in a destructive <laughs> mood just to go in and shoot up Jack. And so they proceed to... Shoot up, Jack. Jamie, go ahead and tell me uh, uh, about this scene a little. It's bit. a great <laughs> scene because they start they start just unloading their guns. I mean, like there's there's so much ammunition hitting walls that like stone pillars are exploding. There's bone, I mean, not bone fragments. There's stone, stone fragments, fragments just flying everywhere. They did some amazing kung fu. They don't even bother unloading. I've Carrie Ann Moss hurts her hip. Toss it or, no, she hurts her leg in one of these. This, the wall flip. Yeah. They, not, they did all of this. There was no CGI. They did all of this. And it wasn't stunt people. Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss did they every did stunt in the lobby scene. On wires. On wires, of but course. But they still yeah. did it, which and, is much more than I could do. <laughs> yeah, and when she did the wall flip, she hurt her leg. Oh, wow. Well, and they gave her two that. days. And she came back, and she was determined to that that, that scene, that lobby scene, was going to be all her and Keanu. Wow! She came back two days later, and whatever they had to do to her leg, and she finished the scene. There's still no stunt doubles. Wow, that's phenomenal. In that scene, but yeah, so you see the awesome yeah, there's lots of wires, carnage, but, and bullets, and guns, and just cool kung fu. And it's it's such taking these guys out. So then they get on the elevator. Well, see, I, see, I've got a oh, funny story about go that. Go ahead. Go see, ahead. when I was in college, me and a couple of my roommates, well, I, I lived in a suite with, there was like eight guys in the room. You can imagine how that smelled. <laughs> but there was eight guys in there. It was like, I think there was like four of us that were obsessed with the Matrix. And, when, and we were all business students. And so whenever one of us had a test, the four of us would get in our living room. We would put in the Matrix. We would press play when the lobby scene started. We would wash it into the elevator. We would press stop and go take our test. And get, we, would, we would use that scene to fire us up to go take a counting test and stuff. Well, this, if there's a more kick butt scene <laughs> in, in a movie to go de demolish a test, um, I hope it wasn't a like the fill in the circles because I would have been. Yeah. I think circle with it. Yeah, but they get on the elevator. Yeah, they get on the elevator. And they're going up. Going up. And they stop the elevator, though. And this is a pretty cool scene because. They attach a thing to the... the they, well, they, you realize what's in those bags wasn't more guns. Yeah, it was a bomb. Explosives. And so they attach themselves to the, to the cable, the elevator cable. They shoot it. It drops down, blows up the bottom of the floors. They fly up to the top. And then there's another great action scene on the roof. Mm -hmm. And then we see the first time that Neo fights an agent. Yes. And this is where, you know, Neo unloads the gun at the agent. The agent dodges every bullet. Yeah. And... Then the agent proceeds to unload back at Neo. He dodges almost every bullet. Yeah, he gets nicked. He gets nicked on the leg. And um, 
And Trinity's and like, I think the shoulder also. She yeah. says, "How do you do that?" You know, and he says, "He says, you know, what do what?" She says, "You move like they do." Yeah. And that's when you realize, oh, something's different with him now. Um, but I, I, backing up very briefly. Okay. Uh, dodge this. <laughs> you know, when when the when the agent shooting yeah. at Neil, he's so focused he doesn't notice her come up and put the gun to his yeah. head, and uh, you know. And as she shoots him, and as he falls, he turns back to the police officer you see at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Uh, one of the SWAT team guys in, in armor. Which makes me wonder. And then pops over into the guy in the helicopter. Does the guy in the vat die? The guy whose body he had stolen. Does the guy in the vat die? He would have to. Yeah. He would have to. And that's why they would ditch the body. Yeah. You know, that's because that doesn't drag their programming down with them, I would say. Yeah. That's why they have to ditch the body at that point. And so I'm uh, guessing that the guy in the vat does die. Yeah, I, I can think of a way around Which it. Which would be a really weird thing to explain to someone's wife. <laughs> why? How did your husband, who went to work a week ago... In, you know, downtown block whatever, block three, yeah. you know, was found dead a week later in the <laughs> same clothes yeah. on the top of a building, you know. So, uh, yeah. you know, there's little things not, not explained, but you know, hey, yeah. this is such a great movie. We're going to look over that. There, there's, a, there's a few little details that I just grant. And uh, the uh, the helicopter with the... Uh, with the uh, revolving gun. I wish I could learn stuff the way they do. And uh, he says, can you fly that? Not yet. Tank, give me a program. And they load it in. Her eyes flicker a little bit. Man, tests would have been so easy. (laughs) (laughs) I could could get so many promotions at work. (laughs) And then then she flies him down and he's on this big minigun. And just how he doesn't hit Morpheus, I don't know. That was going to be a point I made. How he doesn't hit Morpheus is... I guess he's the one. Five kinds of a miracle. He's taking out... Because he swells with it like crazy. Lifts right up and down. Opening the window up, and then you see Morpheus, you know, in rage, break the chains, break the... Uh, and still, he's still under the influence of the drugs. He's still, the he's still struggling. And you see him with that struggle, how he comes through. And then he runs toward the window... Gets hit. Gets hit in the leg. Neo grabs him. They run, dives out, meets him in the air. Oh, great, great. And then that scene of them flying with the helicopter. Because the helicopter gets damaged too, right? Yes, the helicopter. And it's going down. And And she drops him on top of a building. So he he drops Morpheus. And then Neo lands. Remember, Neo's cabled to the helicopter. And this is probably one of my favorite moments in the entire movie. Just because of what it says about what Neo believes at this point. He lands... His first instinct isn't to yell at her to jump out. It isn't to unhook himself. It's to grab the cable, wrap her under his arm. He's like, I'm going to catch this helicopter. I'm going to stop this helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to stop this helicopter right now. Watch me, Mom. (laughs) Watch me. I just like that moment just blows away every time. So you see his instincts are shifting. Yes, you see his his, uh, instincts. You see his heart and his mind shift to that and then he believes he can get more and that's what Morpheus says do you believe now yeah I believe it's right in that neighborhood yeah. of scenes where Morpheus says do you believe now I'm not sure if that's in your notes or anything but it says do you believe now and um, okay so this is this is the point where they they finish the daring rescue and they go to a phone and they get Morpheus out mm-hmm. and then Trinity starts to confess something to him and then in the middle of it, she goes over and doesn't finish. She doesn't. She was because she was going to tell Neo what the what the uh, Oracle had told her. Well, now she doesn't necessarily tell the Oracle because she does tell him everything the Oracle has told me has except come this. to pass, except this. Yeah. Then she, then she grabs the phone. So she doesn't finish the thing. Okay. And then Agent Smith ambushes him. 
He shoots the, shoots phone. the phone. He's trying to hit Trinity, but he gets the phone. So Neo's alone. And once again, we see Neo changing, right? Mm -hmm. He's been told, you run. Cypher said, look, whatever Morpheus tells you. You see an agent, you do what we do. You run. He looks back at the entrance out of the subway. And he turns back to Agent Smith. And they fight. He's already, there's a part of him. He, he, like, if he was to verbalize, I still think he would probably say he's not the one. Mm -hmm. But there's something changing in his heart, in his gut. His instincts are changing. He goes to Agent Smith. He doesn't run like they do. So there's a part of him beginning to believe that he is the one. And it's one of the greatest fight scenes ever. That, that's a phenomenal fight scene. But now when he uh, does run for the uh, exit, when he does run for the other exit and, uh, you know, goes up the buildings yeah. uh, and the uh, through the uh, ways... And he confronts the agents in the hallway. Yeah. Are we ready to get here yet? Are we ready to go here? Yeah, let's or do he it. Confronts the agents in the hallway. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He confronts the agents in the hallway, and they take him out. Yeah. They take him out. They shoot him multiple wounds. He goes down. He hits the wall. Blood smear. You see Morpheus, or you see Neo's body in the chair, and the Nebuchadnezzar rocking as he's taking the hits. Blood coming out of his mouth even uh, even during the fight with Agent Smith yeah. at that point too. And he goes down. And you can see on the Nebuchadnezzar's readouts, he's dead. He's he, flatlined. He you dies. can see the line flat go and flat. And this is where you see, I know you had told me before that there was a moment in this movie of doubt with Morpheus. And yeah. I couldn't think of where it was until I was watching this watch through. And this is where the doubt comes in. Morpheus says, oh no. Yeah. Oh no. But then Trinity says, You can't die because the Oracle told me I would fall in love. And this would be so world. cheesy. Except for Carrie and Moss sells it. Except for Carrie and Moss sells it. So great. Yeah. Yeah, but so, so you take a very cheesy moment, which could She resurrects been, him with the power of love. And with the power of a kiss. <laughs> but it's cool. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you know it's so great being a young man and watching this stuff and being boy. And my my eight, well, he's seven, shortly to be eight in just a couple of weeks. We were getting ready to watch a movie, and he said, "I don't want to watch that movie." I said, "Why don't you want to watch that movie, buddy?" He said, "Because there's kissing in that movie." <laughs> so you know, so but this is the power of love, the power of the kiss, yeah. you know, resurrects him, so to speak, and he. And remember what that oracle said, maybe a next life. Maybe he has just life. died has and just risen died. to a new life. So this is another aspect of a messianic figure, yes. you know, the death and resurrection. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot. Because Mor Morpheus is John the Baptist. He's the, the prophet, the forerunner. Um, Cypher is the yeah, Judas. Judas. We've got Mor Mor Morpheus being virgin born. We've got him Ernia, dying. Ernia, yeah, yeah. We've got him dying and being resurrected. So there is a ton of which is know, really interesting. Other you know religious things coming into this and uh, extra philosophical things. Yeah. Which 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 I think is really interesting because there's a twist here because so much of the world and the philosophy of the Matrix is very Eastern. Mm -hmm. There's some very like Hindu stuff in here. Very. But for the plot, mm -hmm. it's straight out of Christianity. Straight out. It's 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 an interesting melding. I, I I mean I would love to talk to the Wachowskis about how they've. How they melded how those they together. Melded it's it's interesting how they pieced those together. That's very, very interesting, yeah. Uh, how they've blended the yeah. religions and the viewpoints. But uh, so, so... So he pops up. He pops up, he gets back up, and the agents are like, huh? 
But, but remember that when, when Morpheus was explaining the one to him, he said there was a man who could shape the matrix according to his will. And so that's what, who, who because remember, this is the, a blend of East and West. So now this is the, the rules that can now be broken. broken. Remember, I said the agents okay. and the other, um, so humans, the other humans can, can bend, bend the rules. The one can break, break. the rules. So, okay. they, so they unload their guns at him again. And he just holds up his hand and the bullets stop. stop. And he grabs one out of the air and looks at it. And then they all fall. And then the agents are shaken. And he runs and jumps into Agent, Agent Smith. Smith. <laughs> and then he shatters into tiny little Agent Smith bits. And the other agents run. The other agents so run. So before... But now all... before they run, and Neo has you know, demolished Agent Smith into oblivion, he flexes. Yeah. And, and the... he doesn't flex. The world yeah. flexes around him. So I, you know that goes back to the young boy in the... There is no spoon. Oracles. There is no spoon. Yeah. There is no world. Yeah. Yeah. He he is in control. That that's an important moment. And he yeah. looks and you see the code. And that brings me back to a point too. When he's in the matrix until that point, we see the world as we see it. Yeah. We see Jamie sitting here in a blue shirt. We see the brown wall, the door. Now as he looks at the agents in the matrix, he sees the code. He sees the number. And I remember earlier Cypher. You know, sitting there looking the at the screen, he says, he says, I don't even see numbers anymore. I just see a brunette, blonde, I see brunette, a blonde, redhead. I see a redhead, yeah. you know. And, uh, and now Neo's seeing it And that now way. Neo is seeing that matrix that way. And, but he's seeing it on the inside. Yeah, exactly. So I, my my impression was the humans only saw it when they were outside the matrix. Exactly. But like you are talking about before with the, with the files, they were seeing code in the files. So now he's seeing, he's seeing it the way the agents did. As the real world. Yeah. And then you have... Fix me here if I'm if I'm missing anything. After that point, is there a reunion on the Nebuchadnezzar? No, no. At that, at that point, he has to run back and get on the phone because okay, the Sentinels are coming to the destroy phone. the Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, yeah. So then they so they have to unplug EMP. him so they don't kill him when they fire the EMP. Yeah. They set the EMP pulse off, which if you don't know what an EMP is, electromagnetic pulse fries any electronics that are act. Yeah, because the ship was under attack. My robots outside in the real world. Yeah, yeah, we forgot to mention the sentinels are coming. So there's a time clock here. Yeah. Uh, They're actually ripping open the... He should have flexed a little less. Yeah, he (laughs) he, he should have saved a flex. And and actually, I believe in the... uh, in the movie, Trinity does scream at him, hurry! Yeah, you know, and he hears her. And he hears her, so he, hears he goes to yeah. the phone. And he gets out just in time. They fire the EMP. The sentinels all fall down. Everybody's okay. And then we go to the closing scene. Then go to the closing scene, the monologue of yeah. him on the phone. And this is where I think that they're signaling to us, this is the end of the story. This is the end of the, the full story. There's no sequels. Because basically it tells them, like, look, D-Day just happened. Yeah, I won the war. I'm coming for you. I'm the, I'm just, I'm the allies marching to Berlin. The war is already over. I'm just I'm just going to free all the minds I want now. Exactly. Everybody who can get out, I'm taking out. That's that's a great point. And it's over. Yeah. It's There's a, nothing. The war is over. There's just a couple of skirmishes left. And and I guess I can see where the sequels would diminish your view of that because yeah. then much like the Force Awakens diminishes Return of the Jedi, we find out. You know, they really didn't truly win. There's still a greater... They didn't get their happy endings. There's still a greater uh, fight yeah. going on. And, and all of the happy endings were pretty much nullified. Yeah. So that does diminish that, that quite a bit. As, my, as, as I was enjoying that ending and hearing, you know, Tom Morello's rage 
um, you know, guitar stuff start to play. Wake up! Yeah, I got mad. I'm like, there shouldn't be sequels. You know, I'm like, this is such a powerful ending. Why couldn't we? Have, I know why they couldn't. There was money. Why well, they couldn't leave it alone? But I wish they could have left it alone. It's such a great ending. Yeah. And so um, now we've come to the end, and we've already done our grades at the beginning. We've given our big picture, picture perspective. We lo we love this movie. We both gave it an A plus. But we've got some new segments we're going to do in just a moment when we come back. We're going to start giving out awards. All right, and welcome back to the show. And we're doing a new segment this week. We're giving out awards. Oh, awards. And uh, we're going to begin with favorite characters. Favorite characters. <laughs> okay, Dwayne, who is your favorite character in The Matrix? That bears. No. <laughs> My favorite character in The Matrix uh, would probably have to be Agent Smith. Really? Even over Neo, just because he's the hero, I'm going to go with to the dark side this week. <laughs> Agent Smith is such a strong antagonist. He is such a strong, you know, foil for the for the guys. Um, you know, even to his uh, strengths and weaknesses and and him realizing that he's not a, truly a match for Neo. Uh, he really, I guess you could say, humanizes the machine world with his, with his acting. Uh, yeah. And you know, Hugo Weaving, as we've spoken before, is just a master at uh, taking a character and really developing him and driving him home with the little twitches and the disgusted looks and, the, and just his demeanor. When, when, Jamie, when he's flicking the sweat, off of Lawrence Fishburne's <laughs> forehead, you just get, you get such disdain. I mean, it's just, he's disgusted by having to live in this world with these people. Yes. Yeah, Hugo Weaving's great. Okay, now who is your uh, award going to for actor? I'm giving it to Morpheus. 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 Morpheus wins the award for me, and it's largely based on the role he played in the film as the, the man of faith. Because mm -hmm. usually, this is a Hollywood movie where the man of faith isn't a fool. Where the man of faith is right to have faith. That is not a common thing to see in a Hollywood movie. Usually, right. the, usually the people of faith are derided. But, um, but it's also, it's Lawrence Fishburne's performance. Yeah. He's got those huge, long exposition it's things that could have been so dry and so boring. But Lawrence Fishburne just delivers them in such a compelling way that you can't take your eyes off of him. And you're just hanging on every word. He truly owned the character yeah. of, of Morpheus, and he truly made you believe with him through his monologues, through his preaching, as you will, yeah. you know, of, of his belief in uh, Neo. Uh, Jamie, what's a, what's a great scene that really grabbed you from this movie? Um, I, I'm going to have to go with the subway fight. Mm. Um, I, I've got a long history with the uh, <laughs> with the, uh, the 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 lounge fight or whatever that was the the lobby the lobby fight, but the but the the subway fight is there's there's storytelling stuff going on there mm -hmm. about um, Keanu embracing being the one, beginning to believe, and Agent Smith beginning to meet his match, and suddenly not being far and above beyond these people, being on an even field. There's so much going on there, and it's just a great fight scene. It truly is, and yeah, there's a lot of character development that you see there. I had a close second, though. Okay, close second. Close second was the, was the scene with the Oracle. Okay, well, now that's going to be my pick for the scene, so okay. I'll, I'll jump right off there. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> I think we're on the same page here with this movie, uh, uh, other, more than we'll be with other films, uh, I think, in the future. But now the, uh, yeah, the scene with the Oracle when she's toying with Neo, when you see her realize... 
what is this guy expecting? You know, and you see Keanu saying, well, you know, is she going to check me out? Is she going to examine me? Is she going to read my palms? Is she going to look in my mouth? Do you know what? Uh, is she going to, you know, what? You know, and, and the breaking of the vase, you know, would, would you have done it if I hadn't have said anything? Um and it you was know, so surprising really, who the oracle was. Yeah, and, and who the oracle was, yeah. you know, just just, just little granny lady, you know, so unassuming, you know, she's making some cookies <laughs> and chilling in the kitchen. And, uh, you know, so it really sets a precedent of this movie, you know, and even midway through the movie that the scene is, is, you know, not to expect what you would expect, yeah. you know, and it's, it's really great. So moving on from that is, um, now Jamie, I understand you have a thing. I understand you <laughs> like to pointlessly rank things. So let's go ahead and take a look at Jamie's pointless ranking. So what are we ranking? Well, it's not so much that I like ranking things, Dwayne, I have a problem. <laughs> I can't not rank things. And so um, on, on this episode, um, we're watching the Keanu Reeves movie, right? I, we both picked somebody else as our favorite character. But Keanu Reeves has often been sort of criticized for his acting skills. But to so, say the least. To say the least. Um, but I've decided to rank the top five Keanu Reeves performances. And I think these really are five great performances. And number five is Bill and Ted. Whoa. Whoa, exactly. <laughs> but he's really good in that movie. And he, and, he, and he sells it. And it's not really who he is. That... And surprisingly, this is a great movie. It is. It's a great movie. Um, and Constantine. Okay, not a great movie, but it's a good performance. He was a great character in that movie. I agree with that. Yeah. Not the, a great movie, great character. Uh, number three is Devil's Advocate. and Enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Uh, opposite Al Pacino yeah. and, and Charlie's Theron. And he holds his own. He holds his own with, with, with Big Al, and that's tough. Yeah. And he, he's, like I said, there's there's... I'm conflicted on that movie, on its quality, mm -hmm. but those are all the actors in the movie are giving great performances. And Keanu Reeves is holding his own with a, with a great cast. Great cast. Uh, number two is this movie, The Matrix. The Matrix. He is great. This, this is really the role he was probably born to play. I, I agree with that, and I believe a lot of people would place The Matrix uh, along or maybe even with the John Wick movies as his number one. I haven't seen the John Wick movies, so I can't speak to we them. We both have small children. But they we've not seen the John Wick we've movies. We've not seen the John Wick movies. <laughs> they sound like a lot of fun. Yeah. But what's, what do tell would your number one be? Okay, now this is a weird one. Um, one of my favorite directors is Sam Raimi. I pretty much watch any Sam Raimi movie. I like me some Sam Raimi. And The Gift is a little-known Sam Raimi movie. And it's Sam Raimi, whose noodles are great. His noodles are great. Um, <laughs> so The Gift is not a Keanu Reeves movie. He's a supporting character in this movie. Mm. And he's playing a role that, I've, that he's never played before, to my knowledge. I've never seen him in this kind of role before. He's this kind of backwoods, redneck kind of guy that gets tied up in a crime, has to testify at a trial... He's not Keanu Reeves in this movie. Really? It's completely... Like, I, after watching this movie, I've completely reevaluated how good an actor he is. Okay, I must confess, I've never seen this movie. Probably, I don't... I can't name the reason I've never seen it. It's just never come up on my desire to watch well, it. Well, I think it came out after Spider-Man 3 when people were less in love with mm -hmm. Raimi. Okay. So I, I think I think it was because of the time. Okay, so the Raimi love wasn't there. Maybe yeah, the and this was not not stuff. this was not during peak Keanu. This was oh. sort of people were not impressed with Keanu uh, anymore. Okay, I'm seeing where we're going. Yeah, with that. but it's a it's a it's a good movie and it's a great Keanu Reeves performance. It it'll it'll change your perception. Like we talked before, him having a narrow range, 
It'll make you question that. The, oh, so he, he steps outside of his normal range. So, Jamie, would you recommend this movie? <laughs> I would indeed recommend this movie, but that is not my random recommendation of the week. Um, do you want to go first or me to go first? Um, no, no, you've got a great one. I want, I want to close with yours. Okay. I want that to be how we go out this week. Okay, you've got we a great recommendation. <laughs> Mine's not as good. It's just, this is a personal fave. I want to recommend a, a, a comic series. Now, I'm a comic book reader. Um, that's another thing I have a problem with. I love comic books. And this is a series. It's published by Oni Press, written by a guy named Charles Soule, one of my favorite comic writers. He writes novels, too. But um, I'm only going to spoil the first issue. There's 35 issues. It's a beginning, middle, and an end. It's not an ongoing series. They're done. It's over with. You can read the whole story. So the first issue, President number 44 has been elected. It's election day. He goes into his office. There's a letter on his desk from President 43. He opens it up and reads the letter. There are aliens in our solar system right now. They're hiding out in the Kuiper Belt. They're building something. We don't know what it is. We've got these crazy sci-fi weapons we built to fight them when they come. Oh, and we sent a space shuttle out to meet them. They're going to get there in about a month. Oh, wow. Have fun with your presidency. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's the first issue. That sounds great. It, it is. It's really good. There's some, weird, there's some twists and turns. It gets weird in a couple of spots. But, but you've got a beginning, middle, and an end of this bomb that gets dropped on this president. Oh, you, wow. That's yeah. phenomenal. It's a how, great series. How long is this series, if I may ask? 35 issues. 35 issues. So it's a sizable series, yeah. but worth the dive. It's worth it. the dive. Worth the dive. Okay, great. My recommendation, I'm going to recommend, kind of you're going to get a two for this week a little bit. Uh, first off, I'm going to recommend a movie. I'm a sucker for biographies, and especially music biographies. I'm just a music hound. Um, and I love, growing up, I love the Beach Boys. A few years ago, a movie came out called Love and Mercy. It uh, has John Cusack, and also has Paul Dano, playing Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys at different ages. John Cusack plays the older Wilson, uh, takes place probably the early to mid-80s. Uh, and Paul Dano plays Wilson during the recording of the Pet Sounds uh, album. And you see sort of the struggles that, that he's going through and some of the mental issues and how those are being abused and, and put against him and how he comes out of it. And it's a really beautiful, really well-made movie uh, really shed some insight into a great American songwriter, songcrafter, pop artist, and composer. Now, that being said, during the recording of the Pet Sounds, they were recorded using a group of musicians called the Wrecking Crew. Now, the Wrecking Crew, if you've listened to any music from the 60s through the late 70s, these guys were on it. They were a group of guys who worked at a studio and they would bring in chord charts, they would bring in songs, they would record them, then the singers would sing their parts over them. Killer documentary. You would not realize the people who played on some of the greatest hits. You know, that you think, 
Dennis Wilson and the Beach Boys played. Yeah, I, I had no idea songs. about this. Oh, if that yeah. sounds, but you know, you've got these studio musicians just sitting there banging away day after day, having smoke breaks, chilling out. Let's play this part. Let's play that part. Okay, cat, I got this. I got that. But you know, studios were able to use these studio musicians to record quickly because that's all they did. They sit and read music charts. They sit and and came up with with hooks and riffs to the most iconic pop songs. So Love and Mercy is available on Amazon for free if you're a Prime member. I highly recommend watching it. Um, it's it's not a slog of a movie. It's emotional. It pulls you in. Uh, Paul Giamatti's in it. I love Paul Giamatti. Oh, Elizabeth Banks is in it. She's uh, good too. And, That's a good cast. And it's a great cast. Paul Dano really sells you as as a young Brian Wilson. Now John Cusack is always John Cusack playing someone, <laughs> yeah. but he really plays a broken John Cusack as 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 Brian Wilson coming out of and at the height of his uh, mental uh, instability and things. Very very beautiful movie. Highly recommend it. Also, The Wrecking Crew is available on Netflix. If you're uh, uh, into documentaries. How many episodes is It's one two-hour movie. Really? Uh, okay. It's just one two-hour movie. So, uh, you know, you watch uh, The uh, Love and Mercy about an hour and a half, and then you go and watch The Wrecking Crew for about two hours, you know, either the same day or the next day. And you'll see a lot of the same characters represented. And even events, there are, there are events that happen in Love and Mercy that are depicted in The Wrecking Crew documentary. Wow. So it's really great. Uh, the Wrecking Crew documentary was made by one of the uh, lead guitarist's sons. Uh, Tommy Tedeschi, uh, just a phenomenal guitar player. Uh, Where do I know that name from? Um, probably just from hearing him on uh, maybe TV shows. Okay, it sounds where they familiar. Were talking about, yeah, where they were talking about just random musicians playing stuff. You know, he'd be on the Tonight Show. You know, we got this guy sitting in with the band, Tommy Tedeschi, you know, and, and uh, he can play, as you see in this documentary, everything. So the love of his son has really brought this documentary together and out. Uh, but it also sheds a great light on the rest of the players involved, and you have interviews with them back in the day and interviews with them today, sitting around a table talking about, you know, how they come up with this riff, uh, you know, where that come from, how, you know, even Brian Wilson come in and he wanted a specific jingly sound, but the bells and the chimes were too melodic, so he was using car keys. You know, in the room, uh, charting people out. So, you know, it was just a phenomenal creative time. So that those are my recommendations. That's a great recommendation. Love and Mercy on Prime and uh, The Wrecking Crew on Netflix. Well, I think we've got some great recommendations there. Uh, yours is better than mine. That's why I had you close. <laughs> um, but uh, I, had, I had fun doing the show. I hope you all enjoyed hearing it. Uh, we'll see you next time. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. Thanks, guys.